to stay within our planetary boundaries, the circular economy needs to happen. We know. There's already a lot of focus on what needs to happen and why. But I feel a lot of people are ready to talk more about how to make a circular economy reality. In this podcast, we focus on the business side of circular economy, and I talk to practitioners and academics that have found solutions on how to make circular business models happen. Welcome to Circular But How. If you would want to change your product to one that is more circular, how would you start? Whether you put on the hat of a product developer, a sustainability manager, or a business developer, how would you find out which circular economy strategy would be most effective to reduce environmental impacts? Would you start using recycled materials in production? Would you go for remanufacturing of the product? Or put all your resources to making it recyclable at the end of its life? There are so many different circular economy strategies. Maybe you're familiar with the butterfly diagram of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation that illustrates all these different strategies. Otherwise, you may want to look it up. In this episode, we will learn that it helps to have a close look at the product characteristics to find a circular economy strategy that fits the product and brings down its environmental impacts. So how to narrow down which circular economy strategies could work just by looking at the product characteristics. My guest today is Anne-Marie Tillman, Professor for Environmental Systems Analysis at Chalmers University in Gothenburg, Sweden. She has a long career of environmental assessment and developing life cycle assessment methodology. She started researching resource efficiency and remanufacturing long before the term circular economy even became popular. And today she's a member of the Royal Academy for Engineering Sciences in Sweden and a member of Swedish National Research Boards. How I became a big fan of Amari's work is her popular book, A Hitchhiker's Guide to Lifecycle Assessment, that helped me out a good number of times during my university studies. So basically, this is Amari helping out the world yet another time with some great guidance. But in order to keep up with Anne-Marie on this topic, let's take a short minute to dive into the background of this episode. You know, circular economy is an umbrella term for many circular economy strategies. The butterfly diagram of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation that I mentioned earlier is just an example of a framework that illustrates all the different strategies and how they are applied at different stages of the product life cycle. For instance, using recycled materials at the beginning of the life cycle in product design or remanufacturing after the first use phase of a product. There are also other frameworks, often they are called R frameworks. You know why? Reducing, recycling, repurposing, remanufacturing. So various types of recovery strategies. And then there are also some frameworks that help prioritize among these circular economy strategies. And I'm sure you can come up with one if I give you a moment to think about it. Yep, the waste hierarchy. Well, the waste hierarchy says, First, reduce, then reuse, then repair, recycle, recover, and so on. Famously interpreted by Jack Johnson in a song, Reduce, Reuse, Recycle. Yeah, well, and then it's also the basis of all policies around resources and waste by the European Commission and EU member states. Anyways, this is where Anne-Marie comes in. Anne-Marie developed a framework together with her team that helped navigate through the circular economy strategies and to identify which one fits which type of product. This is based on in total 125 case studies of environmental assessments and the resulting framework breaks down a complex topic in a very simple way and in my view it's a must-have in any toolbox for circular economy practitioners. 
And you know, here's what Amérie says about why her team's framework adds important insights on how to implement circular economy. For several reasons, I think. I think that um, I, I, we could see that what was there in terms of advice, what to do, how to go about the circular economy and resource efficiency, is always simplified. There are these different prioritized lists of measures, and they, I would say they depart from the waste hierarchy. And then there are developments of that, and up to nine different measures to be taken, structured into what is called R framework. They don't take the product into consideration, and I don't think they are really applicable on a product level. And I also think that they are sort of oversimplified. They rest on idealized descriptions of, of material flows, which are very far from industrial reality they don't take losses into accounting and into dependencies between different kinds of, of actions yeah and then why is it so important to consider the product characteristics when determining which circular economy strategy is suitable well because if, if you want to improve products i mean perhaps not if you want to set up a national strategy for waste management which is where the waste hierarchy emanates from but if you want to improve products you need to look at the product. That is what determines what can be done. I mean, this waste hierarchy is not really applicable to any type of product. Saying that reuse is better than recycling and apply that to a sandwich. You can't eat the same sandwich more than once, can you? No, I hope. Reuse is not good advice for sandwiches. Or let's think about wood packaging, pallets, things like that. They can be reused, but they cannot be material recycled. How would you go about that? You can't sort of melt down wood and produce new, new wood from it. You simply can't. You can right. recover the energy and you can reuse them. But that's it. So what measure is applicable depends so much on the product. And that is why these generic hierarchies don't really work on a product level. And Marie's main argument is that in real life, the waste hierarchy and other frameworks that prioritize among circular economy strategies do not really work that well. First, there are so many conditions that determine the actual environmental benefits that a circular economy strategy might have for different products, and therefore these prioritizations might shift. And second, not all circular economy strategies are useful for all products. Let's make this clearer with an example. We first said that there are many conditions that influence whether a circular economy strategy will have the intended environmental benefits. Reusing a fridge, while fridges may still improve in energy efficiency, may not be better than a new, more energy efficient one. And then we said not all circular economy strategies fit each product. And here I'm using Amélie's words. You simply cannot recycle a sandwich, can you? And I'm sure you can think about many other such examples, or? So I'm sure you're getting a hang of why it is important to consider product characteristics. But in order to consider product characteristics, these need to be classified in a meaningful way, right? So that we find out which strategies can be used for which types of products. 
Let's have a look at how types of products are classified. So Anne-Marie and her team found that it is most important to see whether products are consumable or durable. Consumable products are food, disposable cutlery, napkins, diapers, or glue. I think you can think of many more. Durable products are those that could theoretically be used more than once. And in both categories, consumables and durables, we need to distinguish some subtypes. For consumables, for instance, whether a product is consumed, like food, or whether it will be disposed of after use, such as disposable plates for takeaway food. For durable products, it is important to distinguish how a product is used. Is it used infrequently, like cars or tools? Is it typically used until worn out, like socks that fairly soon get holes? Or whether a product is typically disposed before worn out, like IT products, where the hardware often is still fully functional. And then it is also important to consider whether a product is active. So that means that it needs energy or auxiliary materials, like washing powder in a washing machine. Well, if this was a lot of information, there's a very simple pictogram on the website, circularbethow.com, that summarizes these categories. So we got this down. That means that we only need to have a quick overview on which circular economy strategies Anne-Marie distinguishes. I can already give away that you will find strategies for different life cycle phases. Extraction and production, the use phase, an extended use phase, and post-use. Here is me asking Anne-Marie which circular economy strategies she distinguishes. If you're quite familiar with different types of circular economy strategies, you may want to fast forward three minutes have looked at different circular economy measures yes. uh, and which ones did you distinguish well we've we've structured them according to a product life cycle we looked at measures you can do during production and uh, raw material extraction we looked at measures you can do during the use phase and we looked at measures that you can do after use during end of life or we call it post use in this study because end of life is sort of so little circular connotations to that term so we use the term post use so can you explain a bit about uh, which strategies you found in each of these life cycles so during extraction of raw materials and production, one may work with losses of various kinds and redu reduction of losses. That way, maybe energy losses or losses of materials. So energy efficiency during production, reduction of scrap rate, that sort of thing. Or, of course, also to valorize byproduct flows, to make use of, of byproduct energy and use it back in your process, that is called process integration. Mm -hmm. Or it could be materials that is machined away and see to it that it gets recycled internally or externally. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. So material and, and energy efficiency during production. And then also what put in the production phase was design measures. You can design a product in different ways. You, and if you, you can use different kinds of materials and you can use less material in a product. Or substituting materials. Yes, that is, yes. Substituting materials, take away toxic stuff or take away scarce materials or that sort of thing and use less scarce or less toxic materials. You may also substitute materials because you want to accomplish some other measures such as better durability in the product. Then you may need to use a more high quality material. What about the use phase? 
Yes, yeah. during the use phase, something you can do to all kinds of products is to use them more effectively. Use only what's needed. See too that you really empty that packaging so that you use all the product that was into it. Use smart dispensers. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I think about these, there are these soap dispensers that give you a foam, soap foam in your hand. Yeah. That is effective use. Use what yeah. is needed. And then there is more efficient use. And that goes along with these this products that use energy or something or, or some auxiliary material during use. Typically the buildings, the cars, reduce energy consumption during use. So that is more efficient use. Uh, sharing. Sharing is another way to use products more efficiently. And then there are all these circular measures where you, you sort of reuse or extend the life of products. So there are lots of different different measures to extend the life of products. Better maintenance, reparation, remanufacturing, and that, that that's sort of to increase extend their life. And of course you can also if you look at single use products, you can redesign them to be multiple use products. That's another way of sort of extend the life. You can also design products to last for longer. Yeah. Make them more durable. This is also a perspective who can do what? So this is something designers can do and, and companies can do that when designing the product if i as a consumer or user already have this product i have the choice to use it for longer and if i want to get rid of it i can choose whether to pass it on for reuse or to to discard it to waste management yeah that is something important all of us can do so i think this active perspective is also an important aspect here who can do what And then there are also post-use measures. So recycling, again, a more circular perspective on circulating materials. Yes, because ultimately all products will reach their end of life. So we need to do something with them after use. Of course, the material in products can be recycled. And this is something that is mentioned in the waste hierarchy. But uh, there are other forms of recycling as well. The bio-based products, they may be treated biologically. There is things like... uh, and anaerobic digestion and there is also composting mm-hmm. this is a way to recover nutrients and then if you have energy containing products you may burn them and incinerate them and recover the energy mm-hmm. some products do not end up as solid waste some of them go down the drain yeah some of the plant nutrients end up so this is a very important flow right that's a really fascinating field also and the technological improvements that have come about in the last years yes and this is something that is very important in the circular economy to the plant nutrients and then yeah and we need to think about these products too that go not as solid waste but go down the drain yeah and then there is this thing about landfilling and we don't think about landfilling as a circular measure and in Perhaps it is not, but I think it's something we will be stuck with for the for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. There will be solid waste that will need to be disposed of from recycling processes, from the, the slag, from incineration, and also from production process. So I think it needs to be on the list, although we don't like to think about it as a circular measure. <laughs> well, and here we get to the core. Which strategies fit which type of product? Anne-Marie already gave it away a little bit. Let's walk through the different strategies that we introduced earlier. When it comes to producing or using products more efficiently, Anne-Marie and her team highlight that this is something that is just very important for all types of products. But other strategies are only useful for specific types. 
For instance, designing a product for long life is suitable for products that are durable and used until worn out. So that was about the production and the design of products. When we look at the use stage of products, sharing is suitable as a strategy for products that are durable but infrequently used, for instance construction machinery or cars. For products that consume energy or auxiliary materials, it is important to use them efficiently and reduce their energy needs or the need for auxiliary materials. If we then look at the circular economy strategies for extending the use phase, so maintaining repair and remanufacturing, that is suitable for all products that are durable, whether they are infrequently used, used until worn out or discarded before worn out. And just to make this super clear, let's have Anne-Marie come in for a second. Yes, yeah, yes, and and the main these restorative measures, repair, maintain, remanufacture, they are of course applicable to only to durable products. They are not meaningful for disposables, are they? No, the sandwich or the the packaging. No, so this goes for the durable product. So that's clear. And extending the use phase is also possible for consumable products that are disposed. But then that would be shifting to multiple use. So for instance, shifting from single use to multiple use coffee cups. And here I'm giving the word to Anne-Marie because she has an important point about consumable products. One important message I think of our work is that, hey guys, there are a lot of other products, products that are consumable, and we will keep having consumable products. And let's try and think a bit about how do they fit into the circular economy and how can we make those kind of product more resource efficient. This is things like food, detergent. You also had a study about medical products? Yes, medical products, yes. A lot, we've seen that these days, haven't we, that they use a lot of disposable products in, in medical care and they need them. <laughs> Yeah, this is something you can reuse, obviously. So there need to be still enough attention on these other strategies as resource efficiency and end of life and which materials you put into the product. Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's not forget about the single-use product or, or the, the consumable product. Okay, point taken. And finally, in the post-use phase of the product life cycle, recycling is suitable for all types of products, besides, of course, those that are consumed. So here we are back at the example of the sandwich. On the website circularbuthow.com, you find the pictogram of what I just explained, which circular economy strategies tend to fit which type of product. Of course, this is meant as guidance and companies might struggle to find out how users really use the product. Do their products wear out easily or do users discard them before they are broken? In real life, there might also be trade-offs that could undermine the benefits of a circular economy strategy, even if carefully selected. And we will talk about that in a little while. For now, another quite important point. I had asked Anne-Marie whether it is a good idea to combine these circular economy strategies. Here's what Anne-Marie said. I would say that they are by necessity often combined. You can't do one without the other. So that's not a matter of choice. If you want to make use phase more efficient, you may need to change out the material in the product. If you want to, to make the vehicle more energy efficient through light weighting, you need to change out materials. 
reuse of, of complex products and all these re, reuse, repair, remanufacturing, that goes together with that. You have to change out certain components, otherwise you can't re, repair the product. And those pro, changed out components will go to recycling. So recycling and reuse hang together. So in many cases, they do hang together. There are interdependencies between measures. And that is pointed out not only by us, but by many other researchers as well. That's good to consider that it's more about designing a system with different circularity strategies. And each of them also contributes a certain share of environmental impact reduction. And perhaps also load. And that is where the trade-offs come in. Trade-offs, huh? Okay, we will talk about that in a little bit. For now, how can practitioners and businesses use this framework? I think they can use it to, to, to get idea of what is possible ways to align their product to the requirements of the circular economy. When using this framework, it is important to consider that it focuses on environmental benefits, which must be the prerequisite for a circular business solution. But then other requirements are, of course, that it delivers customer value, that it is financially viable and that it makes sense for a company from a strategy perspective. So how it positions itself to competitors. But yeah, when we look at the environmental benefits only, it is important to understand that the framework is still only a rough guideline, even though it provides more detail than, for instance, the waste hierarchy. It helps narrowing down which circular economy strategies would make most sense. But in many cases, it then needs a life cycle assessment to see which of these strategies in the end are actually most environmentally beneficial or how different ways to implement the strategies influence environmental impacts. And then finally, one should always remember that each circular economy strategy can have environmental trade-offs. So here we are, trade-offs. Trade-offs, here is a fancy academic word. It just means that some environmental benefits are created at the expense of some new environmental impact. For example, when making products more durable and for longer use, maybe the amount of materials is increased or materials are chosen that are more difficult to recycle. That is also something Anne-Marie had mentioned, right? Or in the case of reuse or recycling, a trade-off can be that hazardous materials that used to be allowed in the past are kept in circulation. So this just indicates that these potential trade-offs should always be considered and addressed already in the early design of products or business models. On the website circularbethow.com, you find a link to the article of Anne-Marie and her great team. And that article also provides an overview of those most common trade-offs for each circular economy strategy. So I really recommend to check it out. And as we arrived at the end of this episode, I wanted to give the last word to Anne-Marie and see if she has any call for action. When I look at call for action among practitioners, I think there is a lot of room for experimentation among practitioners, among companies and uh, industrial companies. Test, uh, test and try out these circular economy solutions. It's not obvious how they should be sort of set up, either materially, but also in terms of business models. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it was useful for you. You can help me make this podcast circulate. But how? 
Well, give it a like, share it with someone, or send me a message. All feedback is welcome.